Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Bruce. And I'm Josh, and we're your farm management hosts. Let's get started. Well, you probably noticed a bit of a different introduction today. To bolster our farm management programming, we've partnered with members of the Ohio Ag Managers team to alternate episodes focusing on agronomy and farm management. We're excited to strengthen our farm management programming, which is so important to your farm operations. So I'll let our new hosts introduce themselves. Your first host, uh, you met back in episode 110 when we introduced the farm management field specialists. Go ahead, Bruce. Hey, uh, I'm Bruce Clevenger. I'm with OSU Extension. I'm a field specialist for farm management. Uh, glad to be one of three field specialists in Ohio that work in the area of farm management. My background has been working in Extension in Northwest Ohio at a county extension office for 25 plus years. And I've enjoyed focusing in on farm record keeping, both financial and production records. And our second host is Josh. Hi, my name is Josh Winters. I'm the Ag and Natural Resources Educator here in Jackson County, down in the southeastern part of the state. Growing up on my family meat goat farm, I found my interest more on the business side of the operation. Well, Elizabeth and I are super excited to partner with you guys to really enhance that farm management piece. So I'll let you guys take it away in your first episode. Hey, Josh, I had a situation that I thought would work well for a podcast, and it was really about a a new and uh, younger farmer that recently had bought a farm. It was about just under 100 acres, but on that property in Northwest Ohio, there were there was actually a, an empty house that had been vacant for almost over a year, and then there were two of the four farm buildings that were just beyond repair. Uh, nobody in their right mind would have put money into these two buildings. And so as the farmer, you know, it should, right, Josh, go out and get insurance for the farm. Uh, guess what the insurance company said? Well, they they threw out an exclusion or a condition on that policy that said uh, you have one year to demo the house and the two buildings that are really dilapidated. Uh, so insurance. Yeah. Risk management. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I totally believe that. Back in my younger days, when we were, you know, me and my buddies going around at night, uh, one of my buddies actually had an old house on their property, and you know, we thought it was a good idea to go and investigate it because it was a cool old looking house. So we went in there, and one of my buddies actually fell through the floor. So you know, having that that having that liability insurance, uh, you know, back then we didn't think about it. We were just having fun and thought it was really cool. He almost just fell to the basement. Uh, but yeah, now that we now that I've grown up a little bit, seeing the real things about insurance, liability, um, that definitely goes into today's topic uh, with our speaker here, Robert Moore. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, happy to be with you. So I've recently started to explore uh, farm insurance a little bit. Before we go there, I can tell you a little bit about my background. Um, I joined Ohio State about a year and a half ago and uh, work with Peggy Hall in the Agricultural and Resource Law Program. Uh, before that, I was in private practice for about 18 years, working almost exclusively with farmers. I always would tell my clients, farm insurance is really important. Uh, before you think about setting up LLCs or corporations for liability protection, you really need to examine and understand your own farm policy. So, and there's uh, so much fun to read too, uh, and, sure. you know, <laughs> and they're only a few pages long, right? right. You know? 
uh, yeah, the policies can be a hundred pages long and, and they're very difficult to read. So I thought I would take on the task of at least trying to understand farm insurance policies a little bit um, so that maybe we can help producers better understand their own policies and what to look for. So Robert, would you put yourself in the category of an insurance expert or what's your approach uh, here for Josh and I and listeners? Yeah, well, it's a great question. No, I don't think I'm an insurance expert. I I was going to try to be an insurance expert and until I started reading my own farm's policy. And I was like, it's just complicated and technical and a lot of words you just don't see anywhere else. And so it became clear to me that unless you're doing farm insurance every day, you're probably not going to be an expert. So I think that's why we need to rely on our insurance agents so much because they are the experts. Uh, you know, I've got some ideas and things to look at, but that relationship with the insurance agent is so important because they are the expert. And so part of that premium that we all pay, we're purchasing that service that comes with the policy. So I guess we might as well be getting what we are paying for along with that. Yeah, I had the same thought. Farm insurance isn't cheap and costs a lot of money, but part of what you're buying is your agent's service. So take advantage of it. I often tell people, invite your insurance agent out to the farm, walk around your farm, tell them everything you're doing on the farm, because there may be something that, you know, doesn't seem like any big deal to you or something very routine that the insurance agent may look at it or see it and say, we need to add to the policy because that is not covered. And if your insurance agent doesn't know about it, they don't know to add it to the policy. So yeah, use your insurance agent uh, expertise and skills and make sure they know everything that your farm operation is doing. So Josh, what would your farmer say to that visit? Is that going to increase or decrease their their cost of their policy, you think, Josh? It sounds kind of expensive to me. What do you think, Bruce? Well, I think, you know, inviting them out and walking around and looking for liabilities or looking for concerns to, to me, I, I think that's just going to increase my, my premium. But at the same time, I guess we're, we're really talking about risk management and there may be some false sense of security that maybe us in the, in the farming industry, we, we have inherently with a farm policy insurance policy and false sense of security, Robert can't be good, cannot be good. Can it? No, it's not. I would challenge you to find a more important component of farm management that receives less attention than the farm insurance policy. The policies are boring to read. They're hard. It's not fun. You'd rather go scout you know, your crops. You'd rather go jump in the tractor. I understand it. But somebody can work their whole lives, build up their farm, and they've got this old abandoned house that they don't even think about. They just assume it's insured. And these kids go into the house and fall through the floor. And then they call the insurance agent. And the insurance agent says, well, we don't cover unoccupied residences. Sorry, we don't cover you. Can you imagine having that phone call and what that would feel like? 
So that's why, yeah, maybe having the insurance agent come out will increase the premiums, but insurance is very cheap compared to the risk that it offsets. Now, Robert, you were talking about some things being overlooked on uh, farm insurance policies. What's what's the main thing that's overlooked on those policies? The main one that's like number one that seems to be in the most cases. I don't I don't know if I have a number one. I've I've put together a list, and by the way, uh, I've got a bulletin put together that we're uh, in the process of publishing, and it'll be on the farm office website. But I can give you a couple examples. One was my own farm. My family's farm is over in Coshocton County, prime deer hunting country. And we've leased our farm for probably 15 years to hunters. I just always assumed hunters were covered by a standard farm policy. I was talking to my insurance agent and just happened to mention that to him. Well, it turns out that a hunting lease is a different business than a farm operation. And so our paid hunters were not covered by our insurance policy. Now they are now, but I was very surprised to learn that. Another uh, while back, a, a client I was working with, uh, he grows and sells seed corn and uh, the the barn or building that he stored most of the seed corn in uh, burnt down and it was like February. Well, most of that corn had been prepaid in you know November, December, but not yet picked up. So he goes to the insurance agent and says, hey, I had all this seed corn in here stored. Uh, I need paid for it. And the insurance company says, we, our policy insures your seed corn, not your customer's seed corn. And since they already paid it, it was theirs. They just hadn't picked it up. So he had to make up all that to his clients. It was a huge financial loss for him. And then something as simple as a client was telling me, uh, he has a few old antique tractors and he likes to go to uh, tractor shows and pull the float in the you know Fourth of July parade or whatever it was. And uh, he happened to ask his insurance agent and he was not covered for that. So if some kind of accident would have happened, you know, during that parade, he had no liability protection. His entire farm was at risk driving down Main Street in that antique tractor. So, wow. you know, it's just a lot of just, you know, each farm's unique. And that's why I can't say this one thing is what is more at risk than others. That's why each farm's unique and you kind of have to analyze it on a farm to farm basis. Right. I'd say that's pretty interesting about the, you know, hunters being on properties. There's a lot here in Southeastern Ohio that have, you know, those type of leases. And I, I bet they've, They've got issues with that in their insurance policy. What kind of ways can they go about? To, how do how do they get that into the policy, creating that new policy? Who would they contact? Well, it's not a new policy. So, like when I was talking to my insurance agents uh, agent about the hunters, uh, he said, "Well, do you want to add coverage?" And I said, "Of course we do." And he hit a couple buttons on his computer, and we were covered. Now our premium went up a thousand dollars a year. So this goes back to, you know, it costs money, but I'll pay $1,000 every year, no question asked, to have uh, protection 
from those paid hunters. So usually most things can just be added to the existing farm policy, uh, what we call an endorsement. And that just means, you know, something kind of special or unique is added to the standard farm policy. So it's easy to do. And most things can be covered. So the opposite of an endorsement would be those exclusions and conditions, maybe. Is that a fair way to say that, the the opposite side of that endorsement? Yeah, that's right. And part of understanding the policy is what kind of coverage do you have? So there's basically two different kinds of coverage. One type of coverage is called basic and broad. And if you have basic and or broad coverage, only those specific events or triggering events, unless they're specifically named, they are not covered. The other type of coverage you can have is called special coverage. And special coverage says, unless the policy expressly excludes that, you are covered. So of course, special coverage is better than basic or broad coverage, but special coverage costs more. And I know like in our own farm policy, our machinery has broad coverage and the land has special coverage. So that's why these policies are so hard to read and you need expertise is, you know, what has special coverage, which has broad coverage and, and what does that all mean? But yeah, that's why going through your policy with your insurance agent is important to make sure there's not any exceptions or exclusions that could expose you to risk. One of the areas our local sheriff had always suggested to farmer groups, if there's ever a small, medium, or large theft from the farm, something comes up missing, always report it. Where does theft come into those different coverage? Is that basic or is that broad or is that special if things disappear from the farm? Yeah. So I think burglary, break-ins, theft, that's going to be covered by any of those. That's just kind of one of your standard Theft is going to be under one of those in some way. The bigger issue is that with that, though, is do you have everything listed on your policy? You just bought a new four-wheeler to run around and scout your crops. Did you add that to the policy? Because if somebody rides off with it and you just forgot to add it to the policy, I can assure you, you are not going to get paid from the insurance company. They're not very forgiving about things like that. Things like theft uh, is probably covered. Your job and your insurance agent's job is to make sure that gets updated every year so all of your property is covered. Inventories, updating the inventory. So not just the titled items. You're probably even describing untitled supplies, tools, equipment that would not have a title. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, most farm equipment is not titled. We definitely want to make sure all new or purchased equipment is added to that policy. I mean, I would add it to the policy before I even brought it home that day. You just don't know. And, you know, once you have a claim, you can't go back and add something. Insurance companies do a great job of covering losses but they stick to the 
the black and white letter of these policies. They don't say, well, that's close enough. We'll cover you. You know, you had the old four wheeler on. We'll just cover the new one. That's probably not going to happen. Be careful with your inventory. Also, I had something called in coinsurance. If you want to talk about that, I'd never heard of coinsurance. And you had mentioned before, well, if you bring your insurance agent out, your premiums may go up. And that may be the case. But with coinsurance, what that is, is the insurance company says, look, we'll pay to replace your equipment if it if there's a loss, fire, theft, whatever. But if we're going to pay you to replace it, you have to give us an accurate value on the inventory so our premiums reflect that. So for example, if you've got a $50,000 tractor you want covered, but you tell the insurance company it's only worth 10000 to keep your premiums down. When you go to file a claim for that tractor, they're going to say, no way, because we were pay paying premiums on $10,000. we are not paying you $50,000. they will roughly pay you 20% the amount they had covered, or 40%, I guess it would be. Don't intentionally try to keep the value of your assets lower to save premiums because it can be a problem for you. And that's called coinsurance. Yeah, coinsurance. Mm. I'd never heard of it before, but it's really really important and, you know, it's in every policy. So, again, don't try to undervalue your assets to keep your premiums down because the the insurance companies have seen that before. And so they add this coinsurance in and in the coinsurance concept is well, if you don't insure your property adequately, you become a co-insurer with us, the insurance company, and we share the risk. That's kind of the concept of it. Gotcha. That makes sense. So Robert, I'm not sure if this goes fully into the farm insurance, but what if someone comes into your property, you don't know they're there, you know, uh, kind of like the situation with swimming pools, where if you don't put a gate or a fence around a swimming pool, you could be liable for anybody falling in and mm -hmm. drowning. Uh, for example, on the farm, it could be going into a pesticide uh, storage container. Um, what what type of liability is there behind people getting injured on your property um, due to main uh, just small little ne neglect to the property? So Ohio law has some protection built in. So like if a trespasser comes onto your property, you typically aren't liable for their injuries. There's always exceptions, but generally you're not liable for uh, trespassers, somebody who's on your property as a guest, a social guest, something like that, you usually aren't liable for them unless they're injured by some incident or condition on the property that you knew about and didn't warn them about. The highest liability you have is when somebody's on your property for your benefit. So a farm market comes to mind, or maybe a vendor, then you have high liability for them because it's your job, because they're there for your benefit. It's your job to inspect the property, repair the property, warn them. And so if anything happens to them, there's a good chance you might be liable for them. So that's another discussion to have with the insurance agent, though, is you know, are you kind of maybe a typical crop farm where you don't have a lot of people coming onto your property? Or are you a farm market? Are you an agritourism? 
Are you even like, you know, just selling beef out of your place where, you know, maybe customers pull in and buy whatever they're buying? Um, your insurance agent needs to know that you're doing those kind of activities to make sure that all visitors to the property are covered, whether they're trespassers, social guests, or are there for your benefit. I keep going back to this talk to your insurance agent. That's why I can't really say, well, look to section eight of your, your insurance. I don't know. Talk to your insurance agent. That's why it's so critical. Call them up. And I hope that some people that are listening to this podcast are getting scared about their insurance policy, because I hope as soon as they're done listening to this, they call their insurance agent and say, hey, let's get together, make sure I'm covered. That's the goal of all this. <laughs> so if if our efforts make them uncomfortable and they take action, that's a good outcome of today's yeah. podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. So many of our farm operations, livestock or crops or you name it, we have inputs into agricultural production, whether that's nutrients or pesticides, which kind of brings about an environmental coverage. Mm -hmm. Is Are those materials, let me ask it this way, automatically covered in a farm insurance policy? They aren't. And in fact, environmental coverage often is an additional endorsement to the policy. So everything from pesticide, drift, uh, manure spills, that sort of thing, uh, are not necessarily covered by the standard farm policy. And you may need to get an environmental endorsement added. Um, you know, I think every farm ought to have that environmental endorsement. But again, it costs more money but I think it's money well spent, in my opinion. You know, an interesting example of that, the dairy farm in Texas that burnt a month or two ago, like 18,000 cows died. So hopefully the barn was covered. Hopefully the cows were covered. But what about the disposal of those cows? Do you think that dairy farm's policy had a provision that says if 18,000 cows died, we, the insurance company, will pay for their disposal. I have no idea. But that, what if that policy didn't cover disposal because they didn't have the right environmental endorsement or they didn't have an endorsement for mass death of animals? They, they could lose everything just based on that. Surprises should only happen on our birthdays, not when it comes time to read in our insurance policy. <laughs> I, I need to remember that one. That's a great one. Yes. Another surprise that your bulletin, which uh, you, you talked a little bit about becoming available here, um, some other terminology regarding payout determinations. It's really about that replacement value or actual cash value. Um Hate for any of anybody to get caught in the difference between those two. So could you walk Josh and I through that just a little bit? Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And that's a really important part of the policy to understand. So yeah, when it comes to loss, meaning fire, theft, whatever, those kind of tornadoes, the insurance company will pay for that lost asset in one of two ways. So one is actual cash value. And so what they'll do is they'll say, okay, what was the property worth? If you sold it, 
to someone, a you know, arm's length transaction, what would that piece of property bring? That's what they pay. The other is replacement value. So it's not necessarily what the property was worth. It's what it would cost to buy something in a similar manner of a similar nature to replace it. And another example from my own farm, we put a lot of hay up and we've had this hay elevator. It's probably older than me because I never remember having any other hay elevator but this. Anyway, it was parked outside. We had strong winds. It got blown over, destroyed. That hay elevator was probably worth $500 scrap metal, if that. But, you know, it probably cost eight to $10,000 to buy a new one. If we had actual cash value, the insurance company would give us a $500 check and we'd be pretty disappointed. Right. If we have replacement value, then the insurance company would cut us, you know, $8,000 check or whatever to buy either a new one or one that's in similar shape that would do the same thing. So that's another thing. Machinery is expensive as it is. Anybody listening, I challenge you, do you know if you have actual cash value or replacement value in your policy? And if you don't know, you need to call your insurance agent. Josh's pencil is scribing his paper right at the moment here. And no, me too. This is good review for all of us. There's nobody at fault for not knowing essentially all these details. It's not the fault of the insurance agent. It's not the fault of the policy owner. It's just let's just bring some awareness so that I guess risk management in the big big scheme of things is knowing the risk and how to really preempt it or mitigate it before it surprises us, before it costs us money out of, let's yeah. say Josh's wallet. Yeah. My wallet's not that, not that thick. <laughs> uh, you know, and I think we take our insurance policies you know, for granted, we just assume we're covered because we don't have to think about it very much. We just pay the premium each year and okay, we've got an insurance policy in place. It'll, it'll be fine. And compare that to crop insurance, you know, where every year, you know, you kind of got to look at it and analyze it. And so I bet most people are much more familiar with their crop insurance than they are with their farm insurance because the farm insurance is just kind of always there. And we don't have to use it. Hopefully, we don't have to use it very often. But I'll go back to my first statement is it's such an important part of farm management, and we just don't spend enough time analyzing it, reviewing it, and just taking a few hours a year to review it with your insurance agent, I think is just really time well spent. So Robert, being a being an OSU extension agent, we always have different types of programs at different farms, different tours. Is there any type of risk whenever we bring out uh, different types of farmers to one specific farm? Any risk to that farmer having that amount of people there as an OSU event? Yeah, great question. So there's always risk. When somebody steps foot on your property, there is some risk. Hosting a, a meeting of some kind on your farm you know, those are going to be more like social guests. They're really not there for your benefit. You know, you kind of have medium liability for them. And your farm policy would probably cover any incidents you would have. But, you know, before you have that field day or whatever it is, call your insurance agent and say, I'm going to have 50 people out here for a meeting. 
Am I okay? Do I need any extra coverage? And you can get coverage, you know, just for that day. You know, maybe you're you're having a big family event, a big wedding, something like that on your farm. Maybe for that weekend, you get extra coverage. You can do things like that. These policies can be very flexible and very customizable to your specific farm and to your specific events. As long as you got good insurance, you're covered. I wouldn't worry too much about having people out to the event. Ohio State would also have liability as the host, and Ohio State has liability insurance as well. The main thing is just letting all the insurance people know what you're doing, make sure you're covered, and then have a good time. Robert, you mentioned several resources as OSU Extension rolls out farm management resources. The website that uh, we often take or ask farmers to go to, it's called Farm Office, farmoffice.osu.edu. Kind of walk us through the legal side of that website just a little bit. And and where, where are you? You seem to be continually contributing to that information library. Tell us a little bit about your role with OSU and uh, any closing thoughts you have today, too. Sure. Farmoffice.osu.edu. Uh, Peggy Hall, with, who's also an attorney with the Ag Law Program, started that a few years ago. One thing it does is it serves as sort of a clearinghouse for various publications and bulletins we have on related to agricultural law. Also, Barry Ward puts a lot of his tax information on that site. So if you ever have a legal question or a tax question, something like, can I cut the branches, my neighbor's tree branches that are hanging over my line fence, there's a bulletin on that. So you can go to farm office and get some answers there. And we will be putting uh, this insurance information on there as well. My role with Farm Office is Peggy Hall and I are basically the two-person team at the Ag Law Program. We each try to post an article on the Farm Office uh, blog each week. If you're not subscribed to that, you might subscribe to that. It's usually some pretty good practical legal information and some updates on current legal developments in the agricultural world. So Farm Office is a good place to get ag law and ag tax information, and the blog is a good way to get current and updated information. How can people get a hold of you, Robert? Uh, Easiest way is by email, and uh, it's more, M-O-O-R-E dot 301 at OSU dot edu again that's more dot 301 at osu dot edu um, and also mention if you're at the farm science review stop by the osu extension area what we're going to do is we're going to have a just a simple one page uh, sheet that farmers can fill out and you check you know each kind of unique issue you have if you have a hunting lease you can check it and then we'll stick it in an envelope and mail it to your insurance agent for you. So stop by and see us at the Farm Science Review if you have any farm insurance questions or you want to fill that out and have us send it to your insurance agent. Thanks, Robert. Uh, we are lucky at Ohio State University to have an agricultural law resource staff. Uh, it is 
not something that every land grant university has in the Midwest. We're very fortunate for your work, very thankful for the time that you took with Josh and I today. And uh, we'll catch up with all of you on the next episode. Thanks for listening today. For more information about farm management tips, be sure to check out the farm office at farmoffice.osu.edu. Hey, podcast listeners, just a reminder to give us a like or subscribe so you know when we release new episodes. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to leave us a review also. We appreciate the comments.